Chapter 16, Leaning on Dealers This chapter is just for information only. But be a student of marketing and see how you are being used by your vendors, because you are their dealers. Chapter 17, Individuality As stated in Chapter 2, ads should not be written to the masses. They should be written to one person, because that is how the message is being received. This chapter goes a bit deeper and talks about how you can personalize the ads. I'm not necessarily saying mail merges, but even from your end, add your own picture or your signature to an ad. As I've said it before and I'll say it again, people make arrangements with people, not with buildings or logos. Chapter 18, Negative Advertising. Hopkins is not a fan of negative advertising, pointing out the bad instead of the good. You'd be pushing the boundaries, especially with the sensitive nature of our profession. To picture a distraught family who didn't prearrange their loved one's funeral could have compounding negative effects. However, in a follow-up campaign where someone has requested prearrangement information and you conveying the urgency to prearrange so that their family wouldn't be saddled with the burden after they die would probably be the appropriate place to compel them to take action so that their survivors wouldn't be left in a bad place. And this is just an example of how we have to really look deep into what Hopkins is teaching us and make sure we apply these principles where they need to be applied and not apply them in other places. Chapter 19, Letter Writing. This is a very important skill to master, and as mentioned before, you don't need to be a literary great or an English major to write compelling letters. Plus, this skill is used daily when replying to inquiries, whether in print or via email. And even though they are on a one-to-one -one basis, it's still marketing. Keep things simple, both your language and your stationery. Don't worry about using gold embossed letterhead because as Hopkins proclaims, the whole appeal lies in the matter, which is the written word. This also translates to your email. Don't make it so fancy with HTML that some people won't be able to read it. If they've asked for a question, make sure you give them the answer. Don't worry about the fancy, pretty stationery in your HTML emails. Also remember to keep your message congruent. This means to make sure that the conversation stays consistent. If they have been asking about cremation, don't respond by trying to argue the merits of burial. Hopkins also suggests to insert, if possible, curiosity as well as scarcity as an inducement to take action. Chapter 20. A Name That Helps. This is a good chapter to apply its teaching both to naming your service offerings as well as naming your business, especially if you're starting a new company or expanding with a new business model. Hopkins warns not to go with coin names as they are meaningless and they take a lot of effort and money to promote. Use names that are easy to pronounce and spell. You don't want to give your potential client any reason not to use your company. The last thing that anyone wants is to look stupid. This includes mispronouncing or misspelling a word. He wraps up this short chapter by stating, When a product must be called by a common name, the best auxiliary name is a man's name. It is much better than a coin name, for it shows that some man is proud of his creation. Chapter 21. Good Business. 
Hopkins closes the book by reminding you about the importance and the power of advertising in a scientific manner. He claims that most advertisers have little or no idea of their advertising results. And I can echo that this is still the same case today, even with most funeral homes. He charges you to become a student of advertising and watch other ads and see which ones repeat, and if they do, especially if they're traced ads, you will know that they are successful. At the end of the book, Hopkins predicts that all advertising will be measured and thus ending the guessing game of advertising or the frivolity of image and brand advertising. Unfortunately, I am sorry to report that a century later, those unmeasured advertising practices still exist. I believe there are two reasons for this. First, as I stated at the beginning, this type of strategic marketing is not for wimps. It's tough work, but in the end, it is worth the reward. More business. The other reason, and this probably doesn't apply to you, but it does apply to many funeral homeowners and managers. It is a lot easier for a marketing company to get the business owner to buy off on a branding or image campaign because it stars the most important thing in the world to them, themselves. This is also true in real estate. There's no better example than to look at the egomaniac realtors with their faces and names plastered all over the place. And just ask yourself, what do those realtor ads do for me as a potential client? The great thing is, you are well on your way of looking at your marketing with a completely new mindset. And while your competition is going to be worried about how they look, you'll be flying under the radar, slowly amassing an inventory of marketing materials that keep getting better and better, and more importantly, growing your market share, garnering more profit, and ultimately serving more families. And that's what it's all about anyway. It's the reason why we do what we do. Thanks for joining me on this journey with Master Marketer Claude C. Hopkins. Please let me know what you thought of this book and also my interpretation of his great work. If you'd like to work together on applying his principles to your marketing, please email me at robin at funeralfuturist.com.